0: What can you learn from having a conversation? A conversation with someone who knows you really well, someone who may not always agree with you, but always has your best interest at heart. When you need to work through a problem you're having or get a fresh perspective, that's when you need to find that person that you love and trust and have a thorough conversation. I'm so happy to share with you an episode from the podcast Reframables, hosted by sisters Rebecca and Natalie Davey. Rebecca is a multi-hyphenate artist, having worked as a writer, creator, producer, actor for over a decade. Her current brainchild is series productions, which fills its expanding creative universe with diverse projects, big and small. She brings an unstoppable curiosity to her work. Natalie Davey is a teacher and writer who helps to cast the narrative net of the show a little wider with a PhD in education and a past life as a prison literacy teacher. She brings a social equity perspective to issues that need thoughtful exploration from diverse angles. These two sisters are passionate about how all the things we struggle with in our lives can be reframed through art. One thing I know, If conversation is an art, Rebecca and Natalie are masters of it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation they have from their episode called Grief Forward. And when you're done, look for reframables anywhere where you listen to podcasts and give them a follow.
1: Grief is a very present emotion for me. I think about it a lot. Do I have too much? More than others? An average amount. Nat? Yes, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> will you go there with me?
2: I will. I'm ready. Let's do this. We,
0: we have this way of talking, and we have another, but we have, we have ways, to ways with each, each other that will never be said. Before.
1: So as I was saying, I think about grief and sadness a lot. I think when I have to write an artist statement for various things, grief is usually the first theme I offer up as part of my repertoire of themes. Do they ask for that? Like, do they say, so what do you generally write about? Yeah, like sometimes you're asked to tell your themes or... And that's where you go. I was trying to think about this. I was like pre... Violet's surgery. So seven years ago, I feel this particular grief started when we had gotten the news about her heart, that it sort of just changed my world. That, oh, life can be this and now it's this. So life is way more fragile than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. But even before that, I wonder, I think even before that I was thinking about sadness and grief in my art. Like I've always been drawn to characters who are sad, but funny, but sad. What do you think? What say you about who I am at my core?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think that you're that different than certainly many characters that exist in literature, (laughs) right? I mean, like, there are a lot of characters who are sad and then funny and then sad. I think that we have a proclivity to sadness as human beings at some level, because there's lots to be sad about. And we're Irish. And we're Irish. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Troubles are called the Troubles, because there are lots of sad people who have been faced with much angst in a country divided for so long, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, we just live in a really broken, sad world. I mean, like Buffalo happened just recently. And the craziness of the horror of that situation is that I think that was like number 200 in 2022 of mass shootings in America. That was like 200. Okay, or well, it was like 196 and then there were four more after it. Like that's how crazy the world is. So,
1: well, from that perspective, if you think about it like that, don't we all have a responsibility to be sad all the time? That is an interesting statement to make because there is, in some communities of
2: thought, in philosophy, in like black studies, you'll find that one of the responsibilities and resistances is to actually look to joy because there is so much sadness. So, no, I don't think that is necessarily. So I could be taking up joy
1: as resistance. Yes, that is Mm -hmm. a way. Interesting.
2: But if you're saying that this is a theme that shows up for you in your art, then I feel like we are definitely
1: moving down a very interesting road here in terms of... Just a heaviness. Like sometimes I would just want to cry. Like right now, I think I could, even though this is a nice morning and we're at the farm together and I was planting yesterday, but just saying the word grief and staring at that tree because now we're in the car Everyone <laughs> we tried to record in the house, but everyone got up for coffee just as we hit record. Really early today. I don't so know So then why. we moved with our microphone and our, we did a little dance out to the car. So now I have a really good view of this tree. <laughs> That's the me. broken tree we're the talking broken. about
2: that got taken down in the wind.
1: Is that what that is? I guess it's kind of a Or are you looking at the earth. really alive tree next no, to it? No, I'm, so I'm just the off <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I'm not sure which one. Where <laughs> am I going with this? Okay, the other part that interests me is I've really gotten into couples therapy, that show. Okay. And the therapist is so good. And she was listening to these couples discuss their issues as therapists do. And she was then going to her own therapist to unpack her work and commenting that these couples, there's so much weight on their relationships from their individual sorrows and pasts. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that really intimate relationships have to bear a lot. So I was even thinking of Simon, all that he bears. I mean, I bear things too, so whatever. But just in terms of this grief, like I'm a grief laden person, Mm. like my sorrows, our relationship, he has to bear them. So there's some weight there and that we come into these, our relationships with our issues. Although, okay, I don't know if grief is an issue. So I'm sort of talking around this. I mean, he does have to bear it, but at the same time, is someone who experiences a lot of grief, is it an issue? It feels like it's an issue in our culture, because then I've been reading various articles. The New York Times, I guess, there's a recent article on grief. Okay, but wasn't
2: there something that in your couples therapy piece that there had been like an end point? She
1: was saying that both parties have to transcend their own feelings, basically, if they want a relationship to survive. So there needs to be a lot of will. And that definitely strikes
2: me because I think there's something interesting here. You've just said that Psy bears some sort of a burden in terms of what you're calling your grief. I would say that you've borne much in terms of your relationship together too. So I mean, like there's very much a bearing of, but then there's also this will that that therapist is talking about. I find those two words together of grief and will really interesting, like a pairing, like wine. (laughs) Like when you put wine and food together, something about the individual items is enhanced. So is there something about pairing the authentic grief of a moment in time with sort of the will to work through it together as a relationship that somehow makes the whole thing more beautiful, more manageable? I would then extend that outside of relationship to even what we just finished saying about there's a lot to be sad about in the world. There's a lot to grieve, but there's a lot of beauty that comes from groups coming together and the will to overcome. Yes, Mm -hmm. and to bear it together and to do something with that grief in a way that changes it maybe into something more malleable. Yeah, maybe productive. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit wary of that word because if it has to be going from feeling to doing, I'm not sure that the doing is what I want to celebrate in that I'm such a doer. (laughs) I'm not sure that that is necessarily the way to be. But there's something about being in a feeling together that maybe makes that feeling more powerfully rendered into something.
1: Being in a feeling together, although it seems to work better if everyone's in the same feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the hard part, isn't it? Like I... I'm a very slow metabolizer of grief, and Simon's very fast, and we have talked about that before. So him and I getting to that productive place, (laughs) because even this week I was in the playground, and I caught sight of Violet's scar, and I felt like an animal freezing in the headlights. And I was like, am I about to have a wave of grief? And then it passed, and I was okay. I was thinking, I feel safe, it's okay. But I mean, Simon, if I said that to him now, he'd be like, I don't have any of that. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, like that passed for me much quicker. I'm hearing you describe that moment, and I'm—it's
2: kind of amazing that you are able to name that feeling so explicitly. Like you could actually pinpoint a feeling in your body like that. Does that come from just like your really dedicated practice to like listening to yourself? Like you're trained to do that. Are you asking from, me that for real? I'm wondering. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people have that. I don't think a lot of people are that attuned.
1: To what they're feeling?
2: Yeah, 100%. And how much better the world might be if more people were that attuned, or certainly more attuned than they are. <laughs> or we'd be so sad. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I really think that part of what is the biggest problem that I see anyways, certainly as I wander around in a high school, watching young people who are developing a language for their feelings. And they're developing that language in a space that is like full of so many adults who, <laughs> I don't know, I definitely don't believe that all of the adults in that building are able to fully name where they're at. Now, albeit because we're all in such reactionary mode all the time in education, right? Like it's like, deal with this, band-aid that, whatever, whatever. But I'm not sure how much good modeling is happening for what it means to feel and then name how that feeling is impacting what I'm doing and how to move through it and forward. And and anyways, I go back to that's why we need art.
1: Like, that's why we need books, literature, and film. Because they name things for us. I think
2: so. Mm. Because not everybody has your vocabulary to really pinpoint the necessity for grief in your body, but also then what it's doing to you, for you at that moment, and then how to even be on the other side of it. Because it's interesting here. Like, I mean, I think that lots of people are suffering. And I think that what literature does for us is that it provides sort of like a window into how there is so much suffering and grief that is ongoing. And I think that fiction and its ability to like show us ourselves or even just know how to talk about it. We're supposed to be having an author on here soon whose stories I've studied with my students. And I remember in one class, there's a story that we read that I started crying. And I think because I started crying in the reading of that story, then other students start crying. But I don't think they were just crying because I was crying. I think they already felt the sadness from the story. But then they saw this adult model that it was okay to cry. So then you have half the class like going, <gasps> and wiping their tears. And I think it was a pretty healthy moment in the end. I think it was a safe enough space that we could do that in. But the story allowed some underpinnings of grief that many of the students shared with me later that they'd experienced, like one had lost her father and one had lost a really close aunt just recently. And so these various losses and griefs were somehow made more present because of this text that we were studying as a group. So there was something in that that I think was made possible, which is beautiful. I don't know. I just think that that grief stuff does seep into almost every storyline because it is so inherently human. Mm. Thus, as much as we feel potentially alone in a hard moment, I think that points us towards the reality that we're
1: not alone. I can feel alone as a creator sometimes, Mm -hmm. but the end result of the art might be really doing something or we know it's doing something powerful. Mm -hmm.
2: And I also think just back to your point about like, well, then everybody could be sort of sitting around sad. Like maybe we should be sitting around sad. But like, not everybody's safe to feel sad, right? Like feelings, I think, in our body in that we are animals. And so there's sort of like a fight or flight element to who we are. If someone is unhoused, you know, or in an emotionally damaged relationship or whatever ends up being the thing that's making them feel unsafe, they might simply just be in reactionary mode, whereas it's pretty amazing how the feelings that we have when we're Able to touch base with our grief, point to other things being met so that we can actually sit in that. I think if you
1: feel safe enough to in feel your life, mm-hmm. then you can feel safe to, to grieve. grieve. I think so, right? Which is it. interesting because I'm reading this book called Untangled okay, about teen girls. Okay, and one of the points the author is making is that teens need to feel safe to push back against their parents to be rude because they're experimenting with pushing boundaries but that teens who don't feel safe won't do it and that will hinder their development and their individuation in the world so if they feel you know their parent needs them as a friend is relying on them in an unhealthy way then they won't push back and I found that really interesting I'm not saying they need to grieve but I'm saying they need to feel safe in order to feel their whole range of feelings right so it's just interesting yeah Speaks to yes you need to feel safe to have all these feelings. And Violet sitting at the piano. Oh my gosh. We had another piano moment where oh, she no. was. Or, oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> really oh yes. I love it. It's so beautiful and wonderful. She was getting frustrated. She called me in for help. And then I started to get frustrated because as soon as I started to help her. But she doesn't want the help. Well, she does like two notes and then sits and bemoans how hard it is. So we were having a moment together and then she started to cry and I was getting upset. And then she's like, but it's okay to cry, right? And I'm just crying. Oh, I love that. Yes, it is. But it's hard. I think that's what I'm, when I was reacting to your point, is that all of these things are true, but it doesn't feel good to feel sad. That's the struggle I have internally. I celebrate grief. It's a theme I want to explore. But, you know, I'd rather be on a beach playing in the sand. Right. I think. You think. Yeah, That's an interesting caveat to add in. But maybe it goes back to the characters you've said you've liked in literature. Like you want them to have... I want them to bounce around. They want to bounce between
2: sadness (laughs) and joy. And isn't
1: that actually potentially an ideal mix? just the right amount of the cocktail actually yeah. where's our where's our morning cocktail now <laughs> <laughs> it's called coffee <laughs> and i need my second so there is something in that and also just speaking though to the loneliness you're saying yes we need art because people have trouble naming their emotions and stuff but it is kind of a lonely place to exist when you do tap into your emotions because I, sometimes i feel like an alien and i bring this alien Energy into a room where I'm like ready. What are all the big things we're all feeling in here? Like, I feel like that would be my ideal to be able to say that. What are you feeling? You know, I don't know. It's an
2: interesting one. I really feel like you hit at the crux of like really big challenges with being in the world with people. Like, we are fed by being with people. But like, if you actually walked into a room and really were able to say that, I'm not sure you, certainly me, would
1: want to actually hear all the answers. But would we not want to hear out the answers because the answers would be out of touch with themselves? Or you're saying that if people, even if they were, you'd get this potpourri of emotions or it would just get really ugly. Or what are you thinking? I'm trying to ponder this. I feel like to go back to our Irishness, the thing about
2: an Irish wake would be that everybody comes together to grieve and celebrate the life of one person that's been lost. So it's about everybody grieving, but for this one thing. And so... That, I think, is sort of like an ultimate example of grief in community working well. But when things get really big, so like the grief of a global pandemic, the grief-inducing nature of this massive pandemic that nobody had been through before, all these big feelings that nobody could really truly name as they were happening because they morphed and changed. I don't think we've seen necessarily the beauty of humanity play out in the midst of the pandemic. For me, I've observed a lot of ugliness in terms of people's grief because I think there's been sort of a real turn inward to the self as opposed to that Irish wake idea of turning outward to remember and celebrate and grieve the person who was lost. But
1: is it because people don't know what they're feeling? So it could be that they don't know what they're
2: feeling, but it also could be that there's been a move that's been kind of inherently self-focused and back to that thing of not feeling safe. And so then everybody kind of fight or flight mode kind of
1: turns inward. So you can know what you're feeling, but to decide you're still not going to transcend those feelings to... A greater good, any sort of like a care
2: for the community at large. I don't know. Just Mm. the idea of walking into a room and being able to go, how's everybody feeling? The responses back might not be so community oriented. And that would make me feel a little bit sad. So maybe I'm dreaming of some utopia. Yeah, but I like your dream because I think it's a good goal. Like, I think the idea of having a goal to want to engage with people about their grief, their joy, about their whatever, these
1: various big feelings, I think is still a good goal. But there is a risk. There's definitely a risk. And both of us, we've had friendships and experiences where people have turned away from us, really. I think for... Naming things? for Yeah, for naming things for...
2: Grieving publicly. For me, it often goes back to my having gone through my divorce in a way that it was public enough, right? People could see and wanted
1: to turn away from the honesty of that, I guess. Well, and I think if we see that we've come to a place where we see our emotions fairly clearly, it, it also means we can see other people fairly clearly and people don't want... Necessarily to be seen? To be seen. I keep thinking if one of our friends is listening. <laughs> Didn't she laugh at us at one point? She was like, oh, you think you know yourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, so now you're saying that, you're saying. But, but, but I would love to hear her response to what we don't see clearly, which for sure we don't. We have blinders. Oh, yeah, all the time. What's an ongoing grief for you, Nat? It's funny.
2: No, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. But I think an ongoing grief for me is, here's me saying, I want it to be about community
1: and I don't like that inkling that we all have to head towards just ourselves. Which is a way, interestingly, that you're a lot like mom. Okay, yeah. I can see that. I am my mother's and daughter. And I'm holding your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> As you,
2: say As you say,
1: Hold me, Rebecca. Hold it. just, and no, it's a, it's a good thing, but that she really balks at self-care, right? It's really only now at 70 that she's really considering it more. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're balking at self-care. No, that's, that's not what we're saying it at all. But I think the potential shadow side to that could be that you're not taking care of yourself. Yes. So in your question then about, I, I think I am <laughs> taking
2: care of myself in terms of this ongoing grief for me in that I am constantly, I'm finding over the last few years in a state of contemplation anyways. So is it grief necessarily? Is it just sort of like a shadow of grief, but related to our cousin's death? She died by suicide and I feel like her death was one that really hit me because I was so happy in so many ways that she was now at peace and now at rest and not having to suffer. And at the same time, here's the turn away from community into myself. (laughs) Why have I now spent so many years writing about care and collegiality? And I think it's been because I've been constantly navigating back to almost like a feeling of regret. So therefore, I'm sort of tying regret and grief together about what I didn't quite do enough for her. And even if it wasn't for her, for those suffering like her, for just the lonely, the sad. But then as we we said at the beginning of this conversation, that could be everybody. So then there's the overwhelming nature of just like, oh my (laughs) gosh, who do I care care for first? And so the easiest place would be to start with myself. Because if I can care for myself, then I can better care for others. And so then it's sort of just like a cyclone of feeling. So it's an ongoing grief in me, her departure, because I feel Mm -hmm. like
1: that... Exit. Like you could have done more. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: In an ongoing way. Not that it would have stopped what happened. But why is it that when the person is gone, is when all of a sudden there's like this move towards doing? (laughs) Thought we were talking about your grief.
1: then I'm sitting in my car crying. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to, there's so much loneliness and pain and and, and our limited capacity to keep meeting it. That's what I hear. You know, you can't meet everyone's.
2: Well, and I had asked you earlier, and when Mm -hmm. we were sort
1: of going forward
2: with this conversation, right, prepping for it. Even though it seems like it's gone like crazy. Does this conversation seem like it went crazy? Well, I mean, like everything that we sort of had written down for ourselves to guide it, things have moved in maybe different directions. But I think that we've hit on all the points we wanted to sort of work through. But one of them I had said to you earlier was I had written in the document, like, do you want to change? Like, do you want to change this part of yourself that is grief? forward <laughs> i really <laughs> like, like that wine that's, <laughs> like it's fruit forward this is grief forward that's
1: the best description of me <laughs> i feel so seen right now Nat. let's just stare into each other's eyes i don't know and that makes me sad actually because it, like it's weird do i want to change that part of myself that's good question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's this video on TikTok right now that everybody's using it and
2: applying this guy's words to like their pets. So they're doing like montages of their pets in like crazy situations. And all you hear is this man going, I'm a beautiful disaster and bless this mess. (laughs) It's such a wonderful little... About the pet? About himself. But people have now taken this like three or four lines and they've applied it to like pet montages of pets, like in crazy covered in mud or whatever. And it's basically just like, bless this mess. And there's something at the heart of it that obviously people have related to because there is just sort of a recognition of us all being beautiful disasters. right? And when I had written that in the document, you were like, yeah, but it's not fun to walk around like a mess. And then that prompted me to ask you, well, so then do you want to change? But now I'm hearing you saying everything you shared today. And I'm like, I don't want you to change because your grief forward way in the world inspires
1: what what does it inspire are you well like (laughs) well
2: i think are you inspired (laughs) to be
1: grief forward
2: (laughs) no but i do think it inspires deeper introspection and feeling and my god that's what we need in a world that can be so out of touch with emotion because so many people are in fight or flight mode so how amazing it would be if we could all get to a little bit deeper and hit a place where we could feel, because maybe that would lead us to feeling with each other a little more. And maybe if we felt sad with each other, maybe that would actually lead towards
1: more, more and more opportunity for joy yeah, together. Yeah. Sometimes I do feel that because I'm like, are we really going to be this superficial with one another, and feel like that's all there can be? Mm-hmm. So grief forward, paired with <laughs> will.
0: There was will. will. Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: A will to engage. And a gratefulness for the safety to be able to feel those things. I think that's a big deal. Like I can walk away from this conversation recognizing that I have a safe space in you to be able to in this car through in this car. I am so contained. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's really nowhere to go. (laughs) And that's a good thing.
1: Okay. I love you. I love you. Oh yes, a little housekeeping. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like what we're doing here on Sister On, your feedback really supports this reframing project of ours. Also, please sign up for our weekly newsletter, which comes with a free recipe from Nat. And lastly, we have a new segment for our Patreon subscribers. Mini episodes, which we call Life Hacks and Enhancers, are five best things in a week. So check us out over on Patreon and consider a donation if these reframing conversations have supported you or someone you know. All the links are in our show notes.